Okay, I'm going to continue with, I have one, two, three, four, five, okay, that I've done in the last uh, week and a half, 10 steps, okay? Uh, I had to go, there's a trip to France, okay? I didn't want to go, but I went, and let me explain it. My husband travels heavy duty um, all over the world, and I do travel with him, especially to Asia a lot, and I I love it, right? But um, France is where his family came from, and I've been there a lot and he wanted to go and we i tried to get him i don't want to go back to paris i've been there a thousand times you know i i know it sounds like a snotty but it's not that's not it's not it's not it's just i've sat there through the family dinners i get it i don't want to go okay and so he's going i like and i'm thinking he he tried this four times this year to get back to go there okay and finally i just said yes you know i shut my mouth up and i just went i had a good time it's not that it, you know when it's family it's not a vacation you know <laughs> it, it's not, i needed to get away i needed to really just clean my mind okay but it's okay i did it and i didn't complain Okay, I, and then he, uh, he did some upgrades. We had to get points, okay? That's the whole thing. It's about his points and flying because you get so many upgrades. And that's why we headed there, okay? So he gives me an upgrade that whole week. I'm looking at the upgrade list. I'm not upgraded. I'm not upgraded. I'm not upgraded. So I go to a meeting the sun, two Sundays ago, and I'm like, I don't think I'm being upgraded. And that was, I was not happy having to sit in the back of the bus because he has extra upgrade tickets, okay? I was being a brat. And you know what? The reality was, I said in the meeting, it doesn't matter where I sit. I'll get in the plane and I'll enjoy the flight. And I did. Okay? I never complained. I didn't get off the plane and complain. I didn't say a word. I did. I want to be upgraded. That's why they give us these upgrades. You, they, you can never use them. But I didn't use it and I didn't complain. And I did it without telling him a single word. Um, Joel screaming in the car. My husband on Wednesday... We're driving to go pick up the dogs, okay? And in the car, he starts with me. Did you, um, did you cut the check for the rent in the office on the first of the month? And I said, yes, I did. That's the day I said I was going into the office to balance the checkbook. Uh, or, you know, and so he said, you really need to cut it on the, on the 30th because it ruins my budget numbers. And I'm going to delete you're balancing, <laughs> he says, <laughs> and I didn't react. That's major, okay? I just sat quietly, and I said, is there, did you ever tell me that I needed to cut it on the 30th? Like of every month, I didn't know I had to cut it in the month prior. And I said, I didn't know that. Now I've been doing the books for 10 years, okay? I didn't, this is the first I've ever heard of it. So I am asking, and he said, yes, he'd like me to cut it on the 30th. Okay, thank you. And, and so a little while later, I said, what's wrong? You know, because he's been really angry. And then he, he explained it all to me, and I understood a little bit more of why. But I didn't react in that car that day, and I decided to go out it a different way because sometimes he pushes my buttons, and I'm trying not to be 
a, a bitch, but sometimes it will come so hard at me. And, and, and because we work together and he thinks he can abuse me, like because I am his wife and he d- won't yell at an employee the way he does, but he'll yell at me. He's working on himself. He's a lot better. Barbara knows him. <laughs> he's a lot better and he's working on himself. And I see the change, you know, so that's another one. I didn't react, but I have to clean it up. Don't react, you know, in that moment, I'm doing it. Okay, so here. Ace calling my my daughter. So my daughter who's in program, this is my my sister who uh, she and I, it's not that we don't get along. Uh, It's uh, we're just not we're never going to be close and that's okay. Um, And so my sister's son called my daughter. I'm in Paris and um, my daughter's like they hadn't talked in 15 years and I, I had a resentment immediately. Oh my God, they're coming back in our lives. What am I gonna do? For an hour, I was in it, okay? Uh, and it took me doing the sheets. I had to physically, this is a major thing. I had to, this is one of my major things. I had to take the sheets out physically and do the work. I don't know, I, most of the time, these last three, I did not have to, um, but I had to with this and I let it go. Now, the next morning, the thought came back. I did the sheet I had done the night before in my head, and it was gone, and I hadn't thought about it since until my daughter told me after they met. Then it started again, and I had to do the work again. Then something happened with Barbara, and I had same work, because God repeats the story. The lessons come one at a time, and it's the same thing, abandonment, all of them. Okay, back, and, and, and I had to do it again this morning. The thing is, is that there are boulangeries on every corner, okay? If uh, every two stores, I can look in those windows and, and see them all and appreciate them all like beauty, like, you know, but I wasn't in the boulangerie, okay? And if you only knew what a miracle that is, because I don't think I've ever gone to Paris and I, I did a couple of years ago for five days, right, uh, as sober. But my husband and I talked about it. Like I had a boulangerie item after every meal with breakfast. We had one in the afternoon, after lunch, after dinner. And the, the miracle is, is that if I do this work, I can still stand outside the store and say, oh, they're so pretty, and then walk away without regret, okay? It's all about if I get to clean it up, because this was a major thing hitting me. This was probably one of the major, most major things that I've ever had since I've been sober, coming back in. Uh, daughter marrying James, worried he'd ruin the wedding. This is a good one. Okay, so uh, my son-in-law is, uh, and this is my last one. My son-in-law is a young man um, who the first time I met him, I thought, oh my God, you know, what the hell? What was she thinking? <laughs> this was before I was in these rooms. And then um, possibly could be an alcoholic. I can't diagnose him, but I know he has some similar problems as I do. And and um, and basically, he is um, a uh, uh, I, he loses it. He screams a lot, and and this is um, 
I guess he he proposes they're getting married. She doesn't want to do the wedding. She asked me, well, dream of my lifetime. Mom, can you do my whole wedding? I was like, what? Like, if this is not a miracle, something I would have loved to have done, okay? And I gave it back. I said, no, it's your wedding. And she's like, I want you to design the whole thing. I was like, oh, my God, this is like, I'm an interior designer. I, like, love doing this stuff. So uh, I, I did the whole wedding. So a month before they're about to get married, I I wake up in the middle of the night, and this is a thought, in the middle of the night, what if he ruins the wedding? He's going to ruin the wedding. I get up. I go down to the dining room. I'm thinking, he's going to ruin the wedding. And I take out a sheet, and I thought I started fear. You know, what if he ruins the wedding? It's not in my business. (laughs) It doesn't really matter if he ruins the wedding. And I thought to myself, what can I do? Nothing. If he ruins the wedding, he ruins the wedding. I started making that whole thing about me. Okay, not about, and in that moment, I started laughing at 3 a.m., you know, at myself again, you know, Um, and it's crazy. My head, because I'm an addict, goes back to these things over and over and over. And in that moment, I let go. It doesn't matter if he ruins the wedding. None of it matters. It doesn't matter if he's marrying my daughter. It's her choice. doesn't matter. None of this matters. None of it really matters. And I love him. Now, when I first met him, Joel and I, and I joke about this, but, uh, you know, in, in, in Ernst, we discussed <laughs> having him killed okay uh, we sat at the dining room table and we said what i wish i knew i wish uncle robbie wasn't dead because uncle robbie knew people and, and my husband goes oh that would have been great it was a joke but we meant it but it was a joke but we did mean it like if we even had that thought that you know and we had like that's how much i hated this boy today i love him I love him. He's just like me. He's a sweetheart in his heart. He just wants to be loved just like everybody else. He's got problems, but I love him like one of my own freaking kids, you know? And that, that's the miracle of this work. And the miracle of the work is, is that they know I've changed. He knows I've changed. They came to a workshop of Barbara's, the two as a couple last year, and he got on to some Buddhist 12-step thing, and he does it, and he always says, I know, Christine, you tell me to see my part. Like, he'll say, I know, you ask them what their part is. He's trying in his own way to do what he needs to do. This is the miracle. I can learn to love through this program and see that it's me, not him, that I can see his, not his faults, but his assets. Instead of constantly looking at negatives, I only see positives today. Um, I might not even be in the body that I really want to be, but my body's not going to go there. I, I, you know, it's just not. I'm working so hard at trying to get it there. It's never going to get there. <laughs> it's been too long. It's four and three quarter years, and I get it. You know, it's just, you know, it's not going to be the size six I want. You know, it's a size 14, 16, and that's where it's going to end. And I'm even happy with that today. You know, because I'm not a size 30. You know, and this is the miracle. I Go ahead, Barbara. Okay, so should we switch to step tw- Oh, 11. 11. Um, do, you, do you guys want to do questions on 10 now, or you want us to go into 11 and then do leave the last half hour for questions? Last half hour for questions. Is that okay with everybody? Okay. Yes. okay. So I'll so do we'll 11 real quick. The real reality is, is that... 
Um, uh, and I'll talk from a sponsor perspective. Um, and for, Well, first I'll talk from mine and then a quick sponsor perspective. Um, 11 just kind of happens by really doing 10s thoroughly. No one puts me in 11. It just happens, okay? And that happened in step uh, nine for me. Um, and I know that sounds crazy, but that's where my connection really came, is in nine. Uh, is It was an amend to a family member that I hadn't spoken to in 30 years. At my mother's funeral was the last time I spoke to them. And I was on cloud nine uh, and couldn't come down off of that cloud for about a month. I knew that God had my back and that my life was going to be different. I even knew that I didn't have to eat again, okay? And that, and that my husband knew that too. He took me to dinner. I changed my whole life. I stopped listening to rock in the house, and I started listening to Nat King Cole, okay? <laughs> and my husband took me to a Nat King Cole. His brother was still alive at the time. I think he still is, 92, and he took me to a dinner. And at the dinner, he said, I know you never have to do that again. And he got it. He got that three months into this that I didn't have to hurt myself anymore. And he understood that this was such a change and a dramatic thought process for me. So when I got into 10, I was already at that point of really being connected. And quickly, I moved to 11 without Barbara, she just, she knew, because uh, I was talking of God and, and a reliance that was just not beyond, you know. I, would, I observed somebody yesterday, and Barbara and I talked in the card. This is somebody I sponsored two years ago, and I'm talking about it only from a perspective of looking at others. And I've all, I'll talk about one other, okay? Um, and this is it. I can't put anybody in 11. It just happens automatically. Either you're cleaning up your life and it really happens and you become reliant. And the best example is somebody a couple of years ago, she was in she March. I'm in 11. I know I am. I really believe in God. I know I do. I really believe in God, but I don't hear anything. You know, will you put me in 11? Will you put me in 11? But I don't hear the reliance. Okay. I know that she's like this. Okay. But I give her 11 anyway at that point. In June, I get a phone call. The third week of June, I remember. And she says, listen, I got to tell you this. This is amazing. And she proceeds to tell me a story about her life and how God is so... I never heard God come out of her mouth, ever. Okay? And uh, she says, God is so amazing. And this is what's happening to me. And I said, now you're in 11. <laughs> you know, and that's really the God's honest truth. The next one, uh, uh, she was spoke yesterday. And I didn't ask her to speak last year because she had a religious uh, um, God, not a God of, of uh, spiritual, okay? So last year, she, she's been three years sober? Yeah. And last year, um, uh, she's, she still, I could feel the, you know, just like on the edge, still not trusting, not that leap of faith kind. And around a month ago, three weeks ago, she was going through a divorce. No, it's about six weeks now. I hear her at meetings. There's this confidence, this this incredible beauty about her where nothing can really knock her. 
she's divorced now. She went through the divorce after she did the steps. She thought she'd be broke. She was afraid of getting a job. She got she bought herself a teeny weeny spittoon of a house. She has a full-time job and she's also a real estate broker. And her life is incredible. And the reliance came. Okay, and she I asked her, "You've changed." And she goes, "I know." And like <laughs> she knew and I asked her she exuded it yes. yesterday it was just amazing I didn't say to her now you're an 11 uh, because she I don't want to take away her beauty you know but I know I know the difference I hear it there's this peace and serenity that comes forward this re- this knowing that there's something out there that really is going to save you and it's all done by doing all of this work But really, when we start, after we do the beginning and clean up the past, it's actually really working tense. Not saying you work them and looking at one thing during the day. I clean up all day long. Sometimes by 9 a.m., I've had three, okay? It's just a thought. Remember that. Barbara? Okay, so um, I want to go back to the big book just for something small for step 11, okay? In the doctor's opinion, there's a paragraph that's very important that no one including me, ever understood, and then my sponsor explained it to me. And it says, we doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. With our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we're perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. I have no idea what the hell that means until my sponsor, this is such an important paragraph because it explains why doctors, psychiatrists, pills, exercising, bypass, why they don't work for a real compulsive overeater. So my sponsor read it to me, changing a few words. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of spiritual awakening was of urgent importance to alcoholics its application presented difficulties beyond doctor's conception. But with doctor's ultramodern standards, doctor's scientific approach to everything, doctors are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of God that lie outside doctor's man-made knowledge. They cannot teach us to be spiritual. Mm. And so if I am a, a moderate or a hard eater, I can have the bypass, I can take some pills, I can get a newborn, there's thousands of different reasons that will make me stop overeating. But if I have an obsession of the mind coupled with the analogy of the body, the only thing that can stop that is something that is so magnificent that it put the world together so beautifully, and if it has the power to do that, what is my eating or my thinking to it? It's, It's amazing. So for me, what happens with step 11? Step three is the decision to let this thing, whatever I choose to call it, whatever I decide it is, to run my life, to take over my thoughts, to take over my actions, to be in charge of not only my food and my weight, but my relationships, my finances, my job. Just go ahead, be in control. And I learn in step nine when I start making some of these amends where I can't find the people and all of a sudden they're in front of me Mm. or I'm afraid to talk to someone all of a sudden the right words are out of my mouth or that I can stand in front of 2,000 people and talk and not have butterflies in my stomach there is something there at work like in that story where Abby's concerned there's something at work in my heart that is so loving and transforms me into something that's kind caring and loving which is not who I was at Mm. my core before I came in 
So what happens is in step nine, when that happens, I realize, oh my gosh, there has to be something doing what I call conspiring for me, okay? Then I move into step 10 and I get to realize that every time I th that things don't go the way that I think they should, it's an opportunity to do a step 10 and I get the opportunity to learn to be different, to change the way I think and I act. And I become very grateful for that. And the more I do the step 10s, the more I get to realize that this thing really knows what he's doing. And as long as I get out of the way, everything turns out perfectly. And from my experience, and not only in four, being able to find my part, every step gives me a little more knowledge that there's something there more powerful than me, and I can use this thing's strength. Step one says we were powerless over food or whatever. Past tense. I'm hooked up with something so powerful, and, the, and it happens in each step, but it really materializes in step 11. So by doing 9 and 10 properly, I get to see I want this thing to be in charge, and the decision I make in step 3 becomes a reality in step 11. No one can teach me how to connect to this. No one can teach me how to rely on it. I have to have my own experience, which is something I learned when I first became a sponsor. Egotistical. I want to be the best sponsor in the world. Everybody's going to make me look good. They're all going to be stars. And of course, God stepped in and gave me my first three sponsors were nightmares, okay? And I got to learn I'm not responsible for anybody's success or failure. All I am is a teacher who's supposed to become obsolete because my job is to teach you to connect to your own higher power and rely solely on him. And that happens in 11. If you are willing, and I have taught you exactly what's in this book, you get to a point where someplace in 10, you say, oh my gosh, I want this thing to be in charge, and you slide into 11. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to tell you my first step 11, because for me this is amazing. Where I am now 19 years later is like, I see everything as a signal from God. I see God in everyone, everything I see, everything I hear. I think of something, or I hear something, or I see something, and within 10 seconds, what I'm supposed to do appears in front of me because I am so aware of God's guidance for me, and I totally trust that. So, as you know, I go on a lot of cruises. I had one a cruise to Alaska. My younger sister, my mom, and I are in Alaska. I never get off the ship. I love, that's my time to not be, I don't have to talk to anybody, I just look at the ocean and how magnificently this world is put together when man hasn't interfered it, and there's just this <laughs> unbelievable connection. But they're having a freak warm spell in, in Alaska. It's 68 degrees oh, out. God. It's not raining. <laughs> the town we're in, it rains every day there. I forget the name of it, it's some long name. And my mom and my sister went to do like the helicopter down onto a glacier. And I decide I'm gonna walk. Now one of the things that I do is I've learned in this program, there, there's time for what's important, but there's never really enough time for everything I do. I'm close to my family, I have a full-time job, I have two grants, I mean, there's, there's so much. So I normally do two things at once, and whenever I walk, I'm either listening to you know somebody speak or a book on tape, and I happen to be listening to a book called The Street Lawyer. And I get off the ship and I'm walking down the street and I'm on the part where a homeless man goes into the lawyer's office, ties everybody up, pulls a gun and says one to, to one of the lawyers, how much did you spend for lunch today? 
and the lawyer says $30. And the homeless person says, do you know how many people that $30 could feed in a soup kitchen? And just as I get to that point, I come to the end of the street, and I can make a right or left, and I make a right, and you know what's in front of me? A soup kitchen. I went in and donated $30. That was my first step 11. What I have realized is God is sending me messages all the time. And it's only me who disconnects. If I pay attention, there's a message and a lesson in absolutely everything. What I learned is that step 10 is where God teaches me lessons, and step 11 is where I get to put those lessons into practice. So at night, when I'm ready to go to sleep, I decide it's time to go to sleep, I do my step 11. Did I miss doing a step 10 on anything? Is there anything that needs to be corrected? And more importantly, what was I supposed to learn today? Next thing I know, it's morning. I'm asleep before my head even hits the pillow. Peace of mind. My head's not chewing at me. I wake up the next morning. Upon awakening, I plan the next 24 hours. Not what I'm, because I still plan my food, but that doesn't become like what the 24 hours is. What it is, is based on what I found the night before. Hmm. What do I need to clean up, and how am I going to incorporate what I learned yesterday into today? And then throughout the day, I need to stay connected to and guided by my higher power. And the moment that I'm not, big or small, I say hi to somebody and they don't say hi back to me, well, that used to drive me crazy. Now it doesn't matter. I realize people have lives and thoughts of their own. It's not about me. But the minute there's anything that disturbs my peace of mind, I need to do a step 10 to connect immediately so that I get these messages. And the cool part is, oh good, and we're just about almost at the half hour. So what I want to do is I just want to end with something that, um, that's written down here that um, talks about step 11. I had to do um, this thing at, at, at Regent being, a, and this is what I ended with, and I, and I love this because it is so right on about step 11. And it says, in the context of 12-step recovery, the core question is always the same. Will I succumb to my addiction today? And the answer is always the same. I don't know. Not knowing is not a sign of weakness, but of honesty. Traditionally, people in 12-step programs speak of one day at a time and commit to abstinence just for today. A more accurate rendering of the situation would be to say one moment at a time. I am abstinent now in this exact moment, but I cannot be certain about the next moment or the moment after that, nor do I have to be. The next moment doesn't exist. Only this moment needs attention, and in this moment, I abstain. In this moment, by living in step 11, I'm connected to my higher power, and I am safe. And because of that, I don't need to overeat. So thank you, everybody, for listening to us. And we'll open it up to questions. And um, if you have a specific person you'd like to have answer. I'm going to turn it off since we're just doing questions. Are there any questions from now? Okay. And